This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver, the verdict in the first trial over the death of Elijah McClain is in, and we've got the facts. Plus, the abs and nugs are back, but still not on TV. So we're watching owner Stan Kroenke's fight with Commerce City instead. Plus, some amazing listener questions and comments about Denver's hardcore scene, the Brown Palace, and Carrot Cake. Today is Tuesday, October 17th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Well, it's like really heartbreaking because it's a place that I love for all the other. I've been going to this place for 10 years and I've actually never had their pizza until this weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was very bad. Oh, well, I had two bad pizzas. One, I had Domino's, which is like, you know what you're going to get, which was fine. You you kind of did it to yourself. It was a two year old's birthday party. I'm not going to be picky. Yeah. But the second one was, do I say it? Uh, Yeah. People need to know. The people need to know the truth. Okay, I'm just going to caveat. Everything else is good here. Service is incredible. I am a devout... I am a patron of this restaurant monthly, if not multiple times a month. <laughs> Angelo's. Angelo's. Which Angelo? What is that? I, Where is that? Um, There's one on 6th. It's like a small... It's in a little sort of like 40 strip mall. Um, They do... They kind of have like... It's not Catholic themed, but they have like pews sort of seats and um, I go there for their oysters. Mm. They do oh, really good Angelos. oyster specials. And yeah. I, their pasta is amazing and their service is great. Shout out Karami. Lovely longtime employee that I think is now part owner. Lovely person. And I had never eaten their pizza. Hmm. Partially I was turned off because a lot of the names of the pizza are like Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. And like I am just such a <laughs> not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan that I was like, I don't need that in my life. That's ironic. That's the band you would think would have great songs for pizza names they do if you are a fan of them it's like perfect Um, Uh, although california pizza suck my kiss or whatever um (laughs) suck my kiss pizza (laughs) but at any rate i've never had their pizza and i had it and it it. was just no good but it's you have really i would say prior to knowing what i know about pizza now from you your expertise and your like taste I now am much more picky about pizza than I was before. Okay, well. Because I used to be like, ah, any old pizza, whatever. No, it's interesting. (laughs) It's been an interesting evolution for me. Taste-wise, I'm like, oh, now I'm picky about pizza. It's like Pizzeria Louis, so good. I have a hard time eating pizza anywhere else, I'll be honest. So go to to Angelo's for literally everything else. Everything else about it I love. But pizza, not their thing. Good to know. Good to know. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Bree. We're not talking about pizza, although we are talking. We can talk about it just a little more. We're always talking about pizza. When are we not talking about pizza? No, Um, no. Today we have some actually uh, really important news um, to talk about. And we're just going to touch on it because it's a bigger conversation, but we have to talk about it a little bit. Um, Last week, an Adams County jury delivered its verdict in the first of three trials planned for this fall in the case of Elijah McClain. Um, Bree, maybe we should just start by reminding listeners 
Sure. How we got here? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so Elijah McLean was a 23-year-old massage therapist who was walking home on August 24th of 2019, and someone called the police to let them know they saw Elijah, quote, acting crazy, and quote, definitely on something, um, which I don't think was the case at all. But uh, Aurora police stopped him and restrained him and forced him to the ground. And uh, when paramedics arrived, they administered ketamine to sedate him, but he went into cardiac arrest. And a week later, he was removed from life support and died. So um, so that was four years ago. Four years and ago. And now we have gotten to a trial and yeah. uh, the jury has given us a decision late last week. What is that decision? So this trial in particular is for two... the. Two officers had initially stopped him. There's multiple, there's going to be multiple trials happening here. Um, CPR reported that Officer Randy Rodema was convicted on lesser charges of criminally negligent homicide and assault in the third degree. Quote, Rodema could face up to four years in prison, but these convictions don't include mandatory prison time and Rodema may get probation instead. Hmm. Um, sentencing, we will find out in January. The other officer, Jason Rosenblatt, was found not guilty. And these are the two officers. Who are these two officers? I think they're the Do two that know? initially stopped him. Oh, so the paramedics I know that administer the ketamine that's been so controversial in this case, those must be one of the later trials that are to come. Yes. And I think there was a third officer who was fired in 2020. There's, th I believe there's three trials, but this is the first of them anyway. Right. We've been kind of waiting for this to, to happen and see what was going to play out. So the verdict, one officer convicted, one not. Yeah. What do we make of it? What, what are people saying about this? Well, um, Nine News talked to Shanine McLean, Elijah's mother, and she said it's not enough. Um, she said because this officer wasn't alone in what he did to my son. He had accomplices. He had buddies with badges that are all bullies. So it's not a victory for me. This is not mm. a victory for me at all. This is not a victory for the human race. This is not a victory for justice. Um, yeah, I... I, I don't know. I, again, I feeling this as a mom again and, and having to go through the process of a trial and then watching people decide what happened to your son, essentially. Like, yeah. that's really got to be really, really tough. Um, but I, I do want to point out in this story is uh, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later. Like we're going to we're going to bring an expert on to, to lay out what happened, because this was a really long situation before we even got to the trial, Paul. I think if you don't recall, um, initially Adams County DA Dave Young did not file charges at all, citing not enough evidence that the officers had broken the law when they used force on Elijah. Mm -hmm. um, Which got a lot of people really upset. Yes, right, rightfully so. And Elijah died in August of 2019. And activists and uh, organizers in Denver were out in the streets. This was definitely a Denver story, but I don't think it was until George uh, George Floyd was murdered by police in May of 2020, so almost a year later. And I think that reignited the conversation mm. about Elijah and actually brought his story. I remember it becoming a national story at that point. So it wasn't initially a national story. Um, and then... So after so after George Floyd, um, I think in the weeks after that, Governor Polis realized in hearing from activists, we need something needs to be done. So he assigned Attorney General Phil Weiser uh, as special prosecutor to in investigate. And, and that's kind of how we got here with these current trials. Hmm. Well, like I said at the beginning of the segment, we are not experts in this. We are hoping to book somebody who can answer our questions. Bree, what are some of your questions right now lingering? I mean, why one officer and not the other? That was... Very confusing to me. 
how changes go from chart, you know, the initial charges to the lesser charges. It just, it feels like I don't, I don't understand enough of the process and how the prosecution, what the prosecution put forth, how the jury determined this decision. So those are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm interested in learning a bit more about because we're, again, we're going to continue to see more trials related to this situation. And I'd like for us to be able to understand going into it, what else we're looking at when we're looking at the paramedics, for instance. Yeah. I think for me, it's more about the Aurora police department. And the, uh, the question of accountability, like, is this trial going to lead to any bigger conversation or maybe bigger changes when it comes to how this particular department that's been so problematic mm. will be regulated or maybe not? And that, yeah, I, reading back on this story, I started to remember, oh, Police Chief Vanessa Wilson, um, her attempting to, as far as we know, institute some of these changes into the police department and then her being ousted. And then there was this whole issue with right. her partner. And um, and then they bring in Art Acevedo as the police chief, which like this man's paper trail of problematic behavior is like all over the Internet. He was on Alex Jones. Regularly. Regularly. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd been fired from like multiple police departments. And he's the guy that's in charge of this police department right now that's under has been under heavy scrutiny for the last four. I mean, for a long time, I'm sure. But in this particular case, for the last four years. Yeah. I mean, so, and we continue to see incidents like this. I mean, uh, Jordell Richardson earlier oh, this gosh. year, the young young yeah. man, 14 years Four, old, 14 boy, who was years old. who was killed by a police officer. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, are, are those things going to stop? How do we stop them? I and, think that's what we well, all want to know. Yeah. And what is going to happen to a police department? Is there going to be real change or is someone else, else going to be brought in and they're going to be ousted too? I mean, this is a deep seated issue within police departments across the country. Yeah. That's the thing that's so important to remember is like, Colorado, Denver, Aurora, this is a microcosm of a reality across the country. So, um, yeah, I would love to just get a timeline and a better understanding of where, like you said, the police department is, where we are with this case and what it could mean for the future, for future situations. So listeners, if you have questions too about this, I know you do because I have so many. Um, please uh, leave us a voicemail, text us. Uh, we want to hear because we are going to be finding that right person to help talk to talk us through this. Um, the phone number to call is 720-500-5418. Again, call in your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your feelings at 720-500-5418. Oh, one of your favorite topics, Paul. Oh, absolutely. Stan Kroenke. Mr. Mr. Kroenke. Mr. Mr. K. We're talking Mr. Kroenke versus Commerce City now, though. Uh, Denver Post, good friend of the show, Noel Phillips, reported this week that representatives of Kroenke Sports and Entertainment, a.k.a. the billionaire Stan Kroenke, who owns the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and the Rapids, mm -hmm. um, are asking Commerce City for a land swap that would see Kroenke take ownership of 88.2 acres near Dick's Sporting Goods Park, what is going on here, Paul? <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, to be honest, I had never heard of this. This whole either. story. Apparently, this has been happening for like 16 years that Kroenke has been talking to people in Commerce City about developing the land around Dick's Sporting Goods Park, which is where the Rapids play, um, into an arena district. Uh, the same way that he talks about doing around Ball Arena. I know that's been a big issue for us to talk about this year. Um, and also is actively doing in Los Angeles around his LA Rams stadium, SoFi Stadium. And this is like e economic development around 
like explain what an entertainment district would mean for me, uh, a Rapids fan. For you, a Rapids fan, it would mean turning the game into a game day experience. That's the phrase that these people talk about. And what it is, is just like saying, like, don't just come to Commerce City for the game. Come and go eat at this restaurant or go drink at this bar afterwards. Or maybe go live in one of these brand new condos that we built near the stadium. You know, it would be all about developing a new neighborhood or a new uh, district um, that could generate some money for the city, I think is what the city is hoping. I'm just laughing, Paul, because when you said the live near it, I'm thinking about First Bank Center. <laughs> so they built First Bank Center and then they and built Broomfield? all these Yeah, they built yeah. all these apartments around it with some restaurants. And it's an it interesting parallel, yeah. Failed miserably yeah. so much that they're <laughs> knocking First Bank down, I think less than twenty years after it was built. Yeah. Um so this is kind of what happens around Course Field, right? Yeah, Coors Field is an interesting counterexample because I think they've been really successful. Maybe yes. more successful at building the arena district than they have at putting a competitive <laughs> team on the field. But people like to go party. Exactly. That's exactly. the whole thing. And that's what the Commerce City uh, officials say, like apparently in these meetings over this, this possible development, they say, look at the Monforts. Look what they've done around Coors Field. They're punching above their weight. He's talking about the quality of the team because they have so many great amenities that people want to go Truth. take advantage of down near the field. Absolutely. And how many how many times have you heard someone say Coors Field's the best bar in the city? Oh, it's like the joke, but it's also the reality. Yeah. What if what if Commerce City had a draw like that? Man. So you can see why the the head the leaders of Commerce City are interested in in big you know Papa Cronky bringing some of his money. Oh my God! Anyone? Downtown, yeah, yeah. So okay, well, not downtown. Downtown Commerce downtown, City. Downtown. I mean, if Commerce City had a downtown, which is a funny concept. <laughs> That's the question. Here <laughs> we are. Could they make a downtown for Commerce City? Um, but okay, so the other player, and this is the city, Commerce mm -hmm. City. What? How does Commerce City feel about this? Uh, they're upset about it, I think. Um, from the reporting in the Denver Post, it seems like they feel like Cronky uh, has been making these promises for like 16 years and has done next to nothing about it. Um, the last time there was a big to-do about this whole thing was like uh, 2010. People got excited about uh, the development maybe starting. They rebranded it. They were going to call it Victory Crossing. There's still the a saddest part of this story, Paul, is the <laughs> sign they show this all yeah. peely and hanging off that's like, live, work, play, and victory. <laughs> victory Crossing. Victory Crossing and it's an empty field with a sh sad sign. Yeah. If you're a prairie dog, you can do that. You, um, totally. If you're a person, not an option yet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so the mayor of Commerce City here, Benjamin Huseman, he was, I guess, on a ranting about this earlier this year at the city meeting. He said, you could have shown good faith to everybody involved that this is something your organization is committed to do. He's talking about Cronky, but nothing has happened. So how can you stand there and convince the nine of us this time is different? And he's talking about the land swap because Cronky wants this land now. But Cronky's also been sitting on this project for almost 20 years that he hasn't done anything Doing with. Bupkis, yeah. So I can see where Commerce City officials are like, why should we trust you? Why should we hand, why should we do a land swap? Ugh. Yeah, it's complicated. And like the way, the thing that makes this one different than Kroenke's other stadiums, because he, he's interested in doing this at all of his, for all of his teams, I think. Like at Ball Arena, he, this is, he's talking about a huge, huge investment in an arena district. Same thing in London around the Arsenal Stadium um, and in LA, like I mentioned. But the reason why this one is a little bit different is because he doesn't actually own the land under Dick's Sporting Goods field the commerce city owns that land he's currently just leasing it and he wants so i presumably I'm, I'm just guessing here i'm connecting some dots presumably he would want to own the land he develops on so he'd be able to make more money that okay i mean i i this i just to me 
reading this story. Yeah, what do you think? I Again, urban planning has taught me so much about land use and land value and perceived value. And that was the thing I thought was so funny in this story was like, you know, way back when they made this other deal, Cronky wrote a check for $25. For a 25-year lease, a dollar per year. A dollar per year. And I was like, so land really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really cost anything. And so I don't know. I can see, I guess I would just see from um, a voter's perspective as a Commerce City resident, be like, this man hasn't done anything for us yet. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to be doing him any favors now? Yeah. With a promise. The promise is beautiful, but is the promise a reality? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're if you're one of these Commerce City leaders, because I think what they really want is just the investment in their community. Yes. Like that. We talk a lot about growth and like people feel anxious about growth here. But uh, the flip side of that is like if you don't have growth, things get sparse. Things get sad. You know, life is not as rich if you don't have the diversity of more people around you and more more stuff. Well, and it's but it's also the depressing fact that this is often how cities even get made because mm. we have to have a big we got to have a big daddy with money who wants mm-hmm. to come in and do make his little play area, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I do. Okay. So I was like, have I been to Dick's Sporting Goods Park? Have you? I think so. But what I was thinking about was, again, as a music person, fish sticks. Fish at Dick's Sporting Goods Parks is. Oh, yeah. That's a huge thing. It's a massive event. And I remember last time I was at Esther's Golden Wheat Ridge, which is a pizza place. They do a fish sticks party 30 minutes away. Oh, from Dick Sporting Goods Park because they're fish fans. That's the whole, that's the underlying theme of Esther's. If you didn't know, I learned this much later in life that um, it's a fish theme, fish music themed restaurant, very subtly. Sure. So honestly, if you want to attract a solid crowd, Fish is one of those bands that brings commerce, not Taylor Swift level commerce. Let's be honest, but it is, it's a guaranteed. So Esther's 30 minutes away from Dick Sporting Goods Park does events because their fan base is going to travel back and forth 30 minutes. So I could see where you build, if there was a you place. build the entertainment district, mm-hmm. you build the Esther's Commerce City Hub. They're five minutes from the action versus 30 minutes from the action. So <laughs> exactly. I was just putting that in music people terms. It's it's helpful. I think it I think it makes it real. I mean, and and you can understand why the Commerce City uh, leaders would want this. Um, so what they're doing right now is they they're voting this week on a, some small amount of money to fund a contest to like build up more excitement around it. Small amount of money, Paul. $25,000. $25,000 in a city budget is like... It's like nothing. I don't even know what to quantify it as. They probably buy twenty five thousand dollars worth of toilet paper for the city every. You know what I Truly. mean? It's nothing. Yeah. So they're just trying to get people excited about it. But ultimately, it's Kronky's decision, right? If he doesn't want to do it, like if the rapids continue to be uh, god awful, like they were this year, Why maybe would- he loses interest in the team. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I I could see this is an option for building out. Another option is like a. Oh my God, what are those called? A bond, a bond package. Right. Where in another situation, maybe Commerce City has a bond that goes forward and voters get to decide, kind of like the Olympics. Boy, bring, that brings us back to First Bank Center though. If you Would you vote on a bond for a big arena district around a stadium at that in that part of north side of town? No, I drove by yeah, there I yesterday. There was nothing there. <sighs> I mean, it's just like, I honestly, Broomfield, it, if you want to think of a perfect example of this not working, 
I think Brookfield's <laughs> First Bank Center, whatever it's called now, is the, the perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah. We always want and love to hear from you, our brilliant and hilarious listeners, about the things you care about. Um, so every Tuesday, we share a comment or answer a question from you all um, that come through our CityCast Denver hotline. Um, this time we have a note from Tom and Clayton about my mention of the band, hardcore band Fame, that played their last show last weekend. Which is spelled F-A-I-M. Yes. I learned that after we recorded. Oh, yeah. So I if anyone's think... out there wanting to go listen to some f- hardcore music. <laughs> I mean, if you want to rage. I did not. Oh, yeah. It's really a shock to the system if it's not what you're expecting. But do read Tom's, okay. read Tom's comment. So Tom and Clayton says, I had no idea this band existed until Bree mentioned their farewell show on today's podcast, but they go, uh, F hard, hard. uh, Beyond stoked, I was able to learn about them in time to go see it. If you ever want to shout out more Denver Extreme music on the show, Necropanther and Night Wraith have both been killing it lately. Tom, if we don't already know each other, I'm not sure how we don't. We, this, Tom's speaking my language on so many levels, but I'm so glad to introduce you and thanks for sharing those recommendations, Tom. Tom say more about Necropanther and Night Wraith. I generally know, know I haven't. Like I said, this is not my scene. I just, fame had rose so... Fame as the, the the band had rose so high that they were getting attention from like I, I knew about them mm. and it's just it's a, it's not a niche but it's definitely like a part of the scene that I'm not super in and so I'm I'm excited to check out more. What what can you tell me? I know Denver has like a metal scene, yeah. but people always talk about metal being a big thing here. What yeah, can you, what is that? I mean, it's just one of those scenes that's really thrived here. I don't. I again, you know why? I. No, I think it's like anything when you get a group of people together, if enough people go to that show and enjoy it, they start their own band. And that's mm. kind of just how bands start is you're around other people making music. And if it inspires folks enough, then that's kind of how a scene develops. Sometimes it's around a specific genre like this. Hardcore's pretty tight in itself, but sometimes it's about ethos. So your bands may not sound at all alike, but you all play at the same mm. venues and you all do the same things or you're in activist circles or whatever your thing is. And so I just think metal happened to be one of those things that took hold. I think there are music critics out there in Denver who probably know much better than me. My Tom, my friend Tom Murphy might know, but it's really about the people. I think it's just like who you, who you vibe with mm. and what happens with that. But thanks um, Tom. Listeners may know that you were in bands. I was. What was the moment? How did you know, like, the first time you formed one? How did you know, like, these were the people you wanted to do it with? I mean, what were you inspired by? I hate to say this, like, as a girl, but sometimes, like, as a girl, you're just like, how can I do the thing that I want to do that I don't see anybody else who looks like me doing? And then Mm. I find other people like me that want to do it. And often that's other women, for sure. However... Um, one of my longtime collaborators, uh, Fernando Fez Garcia, you can see him now in Kiltro. He's the drummer in Kiltro. He's incredible. He's a dude that always plays music with women no matter what. He doesn't care. He does. That's it's irrelevant to him. He plays with good musicians. And so hmm. getting to play with him, he was not my first, like not in my first band. My first band was called The Hot House. That was like way it was when we opened we played during the opening of the high dive era like right when the high dive opened we were playing there a lot with like the photo alice and stuff but my second iteration of this of my band life was in a band called night of joy and um it was really again the ethos thing i was hanging out at rhinoceropolis i was meeting other people making cool music and we started like a heavy sludge metal band sort of and then we were playing with like hideous men who are an electronic duo or picture playing just like very different. But it was just a, that that scene for me and, and that experience was just about the people I was around and the energy. 
Like, this is awesome. I want to be here. I'm going to shows here. I want to play shows here. I'm going to start playing shows there. Cool. So that's how it works, I guess. I don't know. Um, okay. Oh, we have a message about our one-star review game. Okay. Which uh, was me and our friend J.D. Lopez of the Left Hand Right Rain podcast. Also, great, excellent comedian. Um, oh, I did love this comment. Do you want me to read it? Or do you want no, to read it? No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. This is Nick M., formerly of the Brown Palace, and you had me in stitches reading my response to that review on Tuesday's episode. Of the overwhelming amount of feedback I received over the three years I was there, I will never forget that review. I am glad you appreciated my response. Y'all are hilarious, and I really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Do you want to remind folks what Nick is talking about? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for writing in, Nick. Uh, I love when people that we mention reach out to us. It's just, I mean, that's why I do this work is it's fun when it's local. Cause it, everyone we talk about is our, it's our community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the review in this case was about the champagne cascade that the Brown palace does every year, which is like a pyramid of champagne yeah. glasses. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the review that ta- Nick was responding to was someone was like, complaining about how the champagne cascade like the champagne didn't get in all of the glasses equally i guess they were i don't know why they would be upset about that but nick m was explaining the logistics of how a champagne cascade actually works if you're the one that has to make it um and it was extremely funny um so yeah thanks thanks nick for writing in yeah that was great we um we should be we should plan our next one of these next one star review game for november i know i was thinking about other themes we could do what do you think? I don't know. I was thinking kids stuff. Oh, we that would be about fun. Kids stuff, no. and like, because you're a parent, and we could get someone else who's a parent. And I bet there's, I bet there's some really yeah. wild because parents are sometimes wildly enti- entitled people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> to might put be it like, nicely, you know. Okay. Um, anyway, all right. What's our last comment here? Uh, this comment I, gave me goosebumps in the sweetest way when when our producer Olivia read it to us earlier. It just like made me feel so good and made me so ex- it's like a con- it, i'm just gonna read it we talked to we talk about the wooden spoon which is a is it a restaurant bakery it's a bakery one of your favorites paul mm-hmm. and we mentioned it on our food were we talking about our food oh we were talking about great desserts Favorite last desserts. week mm-hmm. and you mentioned this carrot cake um do you want to read their comment sure uh citycast denver I was driving home from an airport run, catching up on last week's podcast, and missed my exit when Paul started talking about Wooden Spoon's carrot cake. Thank you for the shout out. We're a family-owned shop. I'm Jeanette. My husband is Jason. And we greatly appreciate it. That carrot cake has a big following. Yeah, count me in the following. Uh, We love our customers who order a breakfast sandwich and a carrot cake slice at 8 a.m. I hope they eat the carrot cake first. We have the best customers on the West side. I'm from Southern Colorado originally, but have been in Denver since 2009. I love how much I learn about Denver from y'all and I'm grateful for the in-depth discussions about so many important issues facing our city. Oh my like gosh. Dessert. Jeanette, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, yeah. first of all. And thank you for writing in. And Paul, your description of this carrot cake, I'm like, I have to go oh, there. You now I it. really have to go there. And now I'm going to go in and be like, hello. I'm Bree Davies from CityCast Denver. Is Jeanette here? I'd like to thank her personally I'm for here. this cake. I'm here for the carrot cake. Um, that carrot, that move she's talking about, the like order a breakfast sandwich and a carrot cake at Genius. 8 a.m., that's me. That's exactly the thing that I do. Because it's like, it's one of those things where like, I guess there's a time of day when you would eat dessert. But if you're going to the wooden spoon and you're like, I'm going to my dessert place, I don't care what time of day it is. I'm going to get my food. I mean, then I'm yeah. in, I'm going to get a dessert. Well, the way I, I don't know about how, how you, you go it? to a bakery, but I have a hard time <laughs> controlling myself in there and I can never choose between sweet and savory. 
So Megan and I, my wife Megan and I, will typically, we'll either share a savory and share a sweet, or we'll each get a savory and then share a sweet. So at the wooden spoon, it's great because a slice of carrot cake is like a perfect sweet to share. Oh. Get, just get two forks. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. It sounds yeah. so good. Yeah. Their breakfast sandwiches, just absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Wait, what's your good, what's your favorite breakfast sandwich? Like, how do you build a breakfast sandwich? The perfect one, Paul. Uh, I mean, this might be my favorite one from them. And they do, they, the, their eggs, nice and fluffy, beautiful. The toppings, um, you can choose whatever you want, but I always go with the Swiss and mushrooms. And sometimes Ooh. I'll add arugula. Ooh. A little spice. little green. spice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like a good breakfast Brioche sandwich. Brioche bun. I'm going to try, I'm going to take this place out. It's good. Okay. Well, this was great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks again, Jeanette. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Tom. Bree, see you tomorrow. See ya. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Commerce City Urban Renewal Authority Director Bill Aiken about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. They say the first 12 oysters are an aphrodisiac. (laughs) And then after that, the next 36, who knows?